I'm so excited today because we have gone through this series on strong and courageous. This series is based on our theme for 2016, and it is this idea that when we follow God, he wants us to be both strong and courageous. The verse for that whole series, for the whole theme for 2016, is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And we've kind of been uh, looking at a few verses before, and then that, that verse 8 and 9 last week, and then we'll look at uh, so a few verses following this week. But the whole idea is this, this very concept that when we go to journey with God, He always, it is, it is impossible for Him in His nature to do anything that is not victorious. Uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. And we have endeavored in these, this series to look at four principles. We're on the fourth one today uh, of how we go through changing times with an unchanging God. We said first, we've got to be strong and courageous. We've got to have, we have a strong defense, but also a strong offense. We have to stand firm, but we have to move forward. We have to know who we serve. We also have to be willing to serve him. Secondly, we've got to stick to the book. We've got to stick to his principles, only standing on the word of God, not going to the right, not going to the left, sticking to the book. And thirdly, we have said last week, we've got to stand firm in the faith. And that, that faith is this idea that we trust God, even when the enemies seem large, even when the situation seems hopeless, we trust in him. Now, as a part of that, uh, we have endeavored and embarked together on a journey through the New Testament. We're calling it the Northside 90 Day Challenge. And boy, you guys are just doing amazing with it. I appreciate so much uh, all of the good pictures and uh, comments and uh, feedback that we've received. And I hope that you want to continue strong. Here's a picture of the Griffiths. You don't know that that's the Griffiths, but th those are the Griffiths riffs, I guess. <laughs> uh, Kevin, Carrie, Kara, Kara, Brody, and Gannon all uh, have their bracelets on, and they are reading through the New Testament. And by the way, if you have your bracelet on this morning, let me see it. Oh, look at those fighters. And there are those of you now that go, oh, I knew I forgot to put something on this morning. Uh, if you didn't get a bracelet last week, there's a box of those out in the foyer. You can pick up one of those. And we'd love for you to just to do that, number one, to remind you to do your daily Bible reading. And then as you do it, to switch it from one wrist to the other. And then, uh, two, hopefully to encourage others to be involved in the conversation. So we're hoping it might start a conversation with a friend, family, neighbor, or likewise. But the point is that we're in the Word uh, regardless of what plan we're doing. Even if you're just doing uh, uh, your own plan, that's great and wonderful. Love for you to take part in this as well. Here is uh, Titus Griffith. Uh, last week he was sick at home, uh, but they're still doing their Bible reading and uh, Abby said that he remarked that he was in Jesus chapter zero. So <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, we do want to welcome all of you who are joining us online, live streaming all over the world. Uh, we want to encourage you to partake as well. If you'd like a bracelet, just contact the Northside office uh, and we'll get you one uh, easily. And then these are the, the hands of the Walters girls, Andrea, Maddie and Harper, as they uh, take part in their daily Bible reading. Now, all of those we got from... Facebook. We're also doing this on Twitter. Uh, if you're a Twitterer, uh, this is Patricia Middleton, and she said, I'm starting with Northside 90 Days Late, but I'm using my own version, the 60-Day New Testament plan from YouVersion, 
And she's doing that to catch up. So, And I know she's going to do great with that. And I believe that she will uh, just do a great job. So, uh, And then also on Instagram, uh, Morgan Gardner is there. You need to find him because he's hilarious. And uh, he posts pictures every once in a while. And this one said, he, he you can't read the text, but he said, I just got way too into it and actually read ahead. Uh, the funny thing about Morgan is his screen name on Instagram. It's Vanilla Delight 2. Sounds like a Starbucks drink or something. Anyway, uh, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, today is day 22. We are 24% done. Woo! We have, uh, you know, if you make, if you're running a mile, we've run the first lap of the large track. So we got only three more to go, and we are excited, hoping that you will join us on social media or just on your own. Now, some of you understand, you don't do social media. You realize it's just a passing fad. Uh, it, it's, it will just go away eventually. Um, and that's okay. You can still send us uh, your you know, progress. You can uh, send it to us via email or you can text me. I'll put up my phone number here in just a minute. But uh, if you want to follow us on social media, if you're doing that, great. And any t- sort of impression that you have, any sort of scripture you read that causes discussion, something that hits you, something that strikes you, uh, something that you've never read before, or maybe you had it just hadn't struck you in the way that it did, we'd love to hear your progress. And um, if you are thinking about, ah, maybe I could do social media, maybe I could get on Facebook or Twitter, do one of these things, but you're confused, you don't know where to start, you don't know how to begin, you don't know uh, where to get help from, you'll be pleased to know that at Northside we have our own team of social media experts. Uh, they are here, there's nearly a hundred of them. And uh, they, well, would you guys go ahead and stand up? <laughs> they're, they're doing kind of what they always do. And so, you know, whenever you see a teenager and they're looking like this, you know that they are on the case, helping with the Northside Social Media Project. So ask a teenager if you need help. I'm going to ask one of them to learn how to do Snapchat. Ah, um, I need to know how to learn this stuff because, guys... They need to speak it in their language. And we need to speak it in a language that they understand too. And boy, that stuff is powerful. Because they reach their friends and their peers with stuff. I'll I'll never see them here on Sunday morning. But they will will be following Brendan Weathers and they will hear from him every day. Okay? And so there, there is tremendous potential. You guys can have a seat now. Go back to your texting. I mean, go back to paying attention to the lesson. So, if you need help, just uh, contact one of the InstaTwitface consultants, and <laughs> or just do it the old-fashioned way. All right, now, enough of that. Turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, which is where we've been almost this whole journey, um, and we will read together Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. That's an important part. We'll go back to it. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and you will go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. We are at the precipice of taking the land in this story. 
And remember, they have wandered for so long waiting to see this promise. They've been here before. They've seen it, but they were just too afraid to take it. And now Joshua is going to lead them in to take it. Now, this all sounds very good and inspiring. We've talked about making sure that you uh, are strong and courageous and you stick to the book. And these are all good, inspiring, encouraging lessons. But the reason I'm on this verse this morning is there came a point with Joshua where he had to say, all right, let's go. Enough talking about it, enough sitting around, enough thinking, enough praying, enough trusting. We got to go to battle. God is telling Joshua to tell the people, get your provisions ready. What does that mean? It means you guys better be ready for battle. And I think about it, we come together each morning on Sunday morning and we come together. This is not the battle. This is only coming together so that we can encourage one another and love one another and be reminded of who we are and the God that we serve. But this, guys, is not the battle. The battle comes when we walk out of those doors. The other six days of the week, that's where the battle is. And our job is not to merely sit here and focus and study and and sing and pray. Those are good things. Don't misunderstand. But our calling is to get ready for a fight. Now, I know some people think Christianity is not about that. But if you don't think Christianity is about a fight, about a battle, then you don't understand Jesus very well. The world has done a great job of just feminizing Jesus. That he's a meek, milk toast kind of guy who loves children and sheep and he has great hair and he just wants you to love everybody. No, that's not Jesus. That is the wrong picture of Jesus. Jesus was a loving guy. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus may have had great hair. The scripture doesn't say. But Jesus was ready for a fight. Whether it was with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were taking advantage of widows who were misabusing the word of God and misteaching his principles and promises. Or whether it came down to going to the temple and turning over some tables and making a whip. Jesus was a guy ready for a fight. Not just any fight. He was in the fight with God. Now don't think for a second when you begin to serve Jesus that you are called to be just a a laid back well put together Christian who is only nice, who is only kind, who only does just the very minimum, who never makes a fuss, who who never stirs the waters. Now, when you when you follow Christ, I mean, you Mark got you ready. Soldiers of Christ arise and be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 31, which Sonny read for us. Reminds us of this. Now, this is not Joshua. This is Moses, and he is giving his final charge to Joshua. And he is trying to get them ready for the fight. Now, his fight, the fight with uh, Joshua, is something that Moses knows his protege is going to have to be very prepared for. So here's what he says Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake his people. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with these with this people. 
into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. We said last week, there was nothing scary about the land. The land was exceedingly good. Canaan was milk and honey, which is a biblical way of saying it's awesome. In real estate terms, you would say location, location, location. It was, I mean, it was the place. It was good, fertile, productive land. The problem was not the land. The problem was the people that occupied the land knew it was good too. And they weren't going without a fight. And so Moses had to be brave, but Joshua had to be strong and courageous. And the people that followed him had to be ready to fight. They had to be ready to get up and take what God had promised them. You need to understand that God wanted them in the fight. Many times, God's plans for you involve you leaving what is safe and familiar and comfortable and secure. So that you can go into places that are unsafe and and sketchy and dangerous and unknown and do things that you're not sure if you can do. It was God's will for his people, small though they were, untrained as they were, to face the giants in the land. That was God's will. It has always been God's will to call his people out of the corner and into the ring to get ready to fight. He calls Abram out of his home country and says, go to a place you've never been. To a people that you don't understand or are a part of. Leave your family behind. He called Moses out of the cushy palaces of Pharaoh. And he said, I want you to lead my people out. He called David out of the pastures to battle Goliath and the Philistines and go on to kill his thousands upon thousands. Now, there's one misunderstanding about fighting. we got to talk a little bit about it because I think it's misunderstood. And it's misunderstood largely because we don't go to the word and we don't read it in context. So turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 is where you want to be. In this story, God is leading the Israelites through Moses. And he has brought them out of Egypt, but he's brought them to a hard spot. We said God likes to bring his people to difficult places, and they were in a difficult place. In front of them was a giant body of water known as the Red Sea. Behind them was Pharaoh's army, the the front runner of the world. I mean, they were the number one world power at the time. Their army is increasingly getting closer and closer and closer, and they have nowhere to go. Nowhere to run to, baby. Nowhere to hide. And they see this predicament, Exodus 14, verse 14, we hear. And they cry out to the Lord, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? Why did you bring us here? And Moses says to them, Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And you see these kind of graphics and these beautiful verses. And the idea that's mishaught is that when you're on God's side, all you have to do is just stand still. Just be still. Just just let God fight for you. 
Just let him do it all. Guys, to, un- to have that understanding of Exodus 14, 14 misses Exodus chapter, the very next verse. Because God says something to them. He says, wait a second, hold on. Let's look at verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now you understand what he was saying? He had to get them to the water. Now they didn't know the water was going to be separated. We know the end of that story. They didn't. They thought it was marching orders to death. They're in this hard spot. They looked at God. God, save us. God says, what are you looking at me for? Start moving. If you won't start moving, I can't start acting. God needs his people to move, to fight, to be ready, to do whatever is necessary. It being still does not mean standing still. Be still means you have peace in your heart that no matter what the external circumstances, I serve a God who's greater Being still means no matter what happens this week, I believe in the one who's in charge of every week. The one who created every single day. He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm still. But that doesn't mean I stop. And sometimes people in Christianity believe being still means I don't have to fight. I just, all I got to do is just, just uh, dress up somewhat nice and kind of go out and sit down and sing and pray. And put a little money in here. All right. All right. Good. The Lord has fought for me. And that's not in the book. God says, be still, but don't stand still. He never called his people to stop fighting. Being still means going forward Even when you don't know where the destination may be. Being still means courageous action instead of cowardly hesitation. Being still is knowing where your strength comes from and where your ability will come from, even when you have neither. Being still means we don't cower to fear and doubt. Being still means we are all in. Wherever God goes... Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. You see, that's being still. That's saying, I'm with him no matter what. Wherever he goes, I'm there. Wherever he leads, even if I don't believe it or understand it, I'm there. Being still means I'm calm. I'm at peace. I'm trusting. But I will not stand still in, the, in worry, in despair, in fear, in anxiety. So as you prepare to do battle, I have two charges to give you this morning. And I think they're two charges that God's people have always had. Number one, you have to fight as one. Now, picture I have up there is of who? Avengers, right? Okay, yes. The Avengers. Now, I, I am not, I'm a nerd in a lot of things. A comic book nerd, I am not. So let me explain to my fellow non-comic book nerds. The Avengers are a collection of the superheroes, and their goal as a team is to fight together 
against an enemy that they could never fight individually. Now, that's pretty hard to believe. These are superheroes, right? This is Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, and they switch characters all the time. But they all have amazing abilities, and yet, for this series, they always come up against an enemy who is too great for them to fight alone. And what is their rally cry? What do they say when they get all together? What do they say? Avengers, assemble! Assemble! You see, what we're doing this morning is assembling. We are God's Avengers. And yeah, you might have some great abilities uh, I might be able to speak and Mark might be able to lead worship. And some of you are gifted in compassion and prayer and love and serving. And you all have these great individual abilities. But by yourself, you're too weak to face the enemy that you've got to face. And so you need a team. You need a team of people who are with you who can make up for the areas where you lack. We've got to fight as one. And the sad truth is that, unfortunately, a lot of the fighting that happens in Christianity is friendly fire. We spend more time shooting and sniping at one another than we do focusing on the enemy. Take a look around. Stop looking at me. Stop looking up there. Look around. Look, look. If you're on this side, look this way. If you're on this side, look this way. You are looking at people. Now, I want you to tell whoever you're looking at. Go ahead. Look at one person, not me, and say, you are not the enemy. We got to understand that we are on the same team. If all boy, you guys have a lot of enemies here, I guess. I don't know. You need to understand. In youth ministry, I had this many times when I would make a call that a teen didn't like or that a parent was unhappy with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well timed, Wes. Well timed. So I would make a call that somebody was unhappy with, and I'd have to try to go smooth things over. And I would get down, and I learned to do this in years later. And I would get down, and I would try to meet with them in person. I would just knee to knee, and I would look in their eyes, and I would say, you need to understand, you and I, we're on the same team. We desire the same thing. If I could, if I had a desk, I'd come around this side and say, we're on the same team. And we need to do that with one another. We need to know and understand that when your elders make a call that you don't like, we're on the same team. you got to trust that they know something you don't know. You, when, you, when somebody teaches something, man, that just rubs me the wrong way. I'm kind of offended. You need to know we're on the same team. we got to start acting like we're on the same team so that we can do the work that God has called us to do. The reason we have to do that is we've got an enemy. And he is real. And he is mean. And he is vicious. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. First Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you note the, the text there, it says seeking someone. You want to think about your adversary, the devil. You have to think only of those National Geographic films. And you see that lion crouched and he's ready and he marks his prey. 
And he goes after him with everything he has. And he picks that one out. And he pounces. And he gets ready. Now, I don't have to let that clip finish. Because you've seen how it ends. Oh, you may have seen it up there. But more likely, you've seen it in life. You watch as that ancient lion goes after one. And somebody gets mad and offended and they stop going to church. And, ah, I don't really need it. Forget them. And so he gets out there all by himself. And that devil's got him. If I can separate just one from the herd. If I can separate one from the pack. Then I've got him. If I can get a whole group of them to start fighting and gossiping and picking and, and going after each other. And they start splitting in the groups. Then I've got them. And we always know how it ends. I hate this picture. I've seen this picture too many times. And you watch someone go off. And they get in the paws of that old lion. And he tears them up. And sometimes that's your own child. And sometimes it's somebody you love. Sometimes it's a spouse. Sometimes it's a, a friend. Sometimes it's someone in the family. Sometimes it's just a brother or sister who used to sit in one of those places, but they don't sit anymore because he's got them. Guys, if we don't start learning to fight together as one against our one true enemy, we're never going to win. It's to prove you, I, I know a lot of you have had, you've been in a battle, you, you've, you've survived, you've seen an attack personally. So I'm going to ask you to do something courageous this morning because I, I need your help with this. Because I, I, I get the sense sometimes we think, we look at that picture and we say, oh, that's me right there. That's me. And nobody understands what I'm going through. Okay, so this morning, if you've been through a battle, I mean, you've been there. You know what it's like. You might even have the scars to prove it. Would you stand up this morning? If you are in a battle this morning, I mean, you're right there. That, that little zebra is you. I want you to stand up. Because I want you to know that you are in good company. Also, great to see that our teens have no problems. <laughs> you guys. You're like, we already stood up. Listen. You need to know when you're at Northside, you're in a church of people who have been to battle. And we can testify that the devil is real and he is vicious and he is mean. But if you're with God, you'll make it. If you're with God, he will not let you down. If you're with God, he shuts the mouth of the lion every single time. And we stand, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. You can have a seat. We remember who he is. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We need to remember where the real battle comes from. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. We got to be willing to fight. Even if we're not willing to fight, there's someone who's willing to fight us. He wants to take you down. I'll never forget my grandmother, before she passed away, she lived in this neighborhood where she had lived many decades. And she shared a neighbor across the street. And they had been neighbors for several of those decades. And one day I was going to help. Grandma asked me to go help this neighbor. So I went over to her house. And I was helping her with something and had to use the restroom. So I went in there. And this lady was a very godly woman. And I, when I was in the restroom, she had these little verses, all a little prayer post-it notes all around the mirror of her bathroom. I just imagine that each day she prepared to go to battle. And there was one on there that I still remember. It said, uh, it said, Lord Jesus, help me because the devil wants my children. If you've been there, you know what it's like, not just to see you being chased down, but to see your loved ones, your little children in the sights of the enemy. Your battle is against him. Your battle is against that lion. Your battle is against the spiritual forces that we can't see. The authorities of this world that play us like chess pieces in their game. Don't play their game. Don't fight against one another. Pay attention to the real enemy and fight bravely. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Paul says this. Now, Paul had been involved in a lot of fights. Not all of them were God's fights. But 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14, he says this to a church that had been really fighting one another. He says this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. We've got to be alert, we've got to be firm, we've got to be brave, we've got to be strong, and above all things, we must have love. Charge number two, we've got to fight not as one, but we have to fight with the one. It's easy to sometimes, for those of you who are a bit of a hothead, You know, everything just kind of sets you off. It's easy to pick the wrong battles sometimes. And we got to pay attention to the battles we pick. Like I said, Paul chose many battles. They weren't all gods. Turn back to Joshua chapter 23. In Joshua 23, Joshua is giving his final charge, just like Moses did many years prior. Now Joshua is giving his final charge to the Israelites as they're in Canaan, And how, if they're going to survive and thrive within that land, he has these words for them. Joshua 23, starting in verse 6. 
Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to to withstand you. As they come into that land, the biggest problem they're going to have is that there will be a a temptation to compromise. They will desire to have peace. They'll get tired of fighting. And so they'll they'll go over to these heathens over here and make a treaty. And they'll go over here to these uh, uh, heathens and and say, hey, how how about some of our families intermarry with some of your families? And we'll have peace between us. We'll fight together. And Joshua says, don't do it. Don't compromise. The way to victory with God is not through compromise. The way to victory is by winning. And God calls us to win, not to compromise. So don't compromise your values with the world, but instead fight God's battle. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 says this. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Jesus was a fighter. Paul was a fighter. When we fight God's battles, there's only one inevitable conclusion. When we fight God's battles with the Lord on our side, the only natural conclusion is to expect victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, you're going to win. You're going to win. You guys don't know, but you've already won. I mean, you're sitting here this morning like you don't halfway believe that. But the truth is, if you're with God and you've read the whole book, it says right there in the back, we win. God gives us the victory. So we got to start acting like we're victorious people. Not a bunch of Eeyores. I don't know what's going to happen. Things are looking pretty bad. Guys, we are given the victory. When we come together, I told Mark this morning, I need a bunch of upbeat. I need a bunch of fast songs because I need these people to understand that they win. And sometimes I just don't see that in our faces. I don't hear it in our conversations. I'm not sure we believe it. We're called to be victorious, and God gives us the victory if we are faithful to his call. So if you are victorious, if you know that you win, start by telling your face. Last verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God. And overcome them because because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We win. We win the battle 
if we fight his fight, if we fight as one, if we fight with one, we win the battle. Well, we have uh, been through this series. We're going to start a new series next month. I'm sorry. Uh, tonight, I want to invite you back to be, come back to our fifth Sunday singing. Um, and the whole reason for that is just what we're talking about. Christians ought to come together to sing, rejoicingly so, because we have the victory. And when we realize the victory, we understand that we are blessed. And this is what we're going to talk about in the month of February. This series called The Blessing. And so I hope that we'll be thinking not just about our battles, but the battles that others are fighting. Today, I want to challenge you with this as we prepare to leave. As you leave today, in the foyer, you'll see a box of some leftover bracelets. And I want to ask you to take one. Uh, Hopefully, you and members of your family all have one. But take an extra one. And this week, that extra one is for anyone who asks about the one you're wearing. That way you can say, you know, our church, we love the Lord and we're working to be people of his book and to be people who are led by his spirit. And if you'd love to join us on that journey, we'd love to have you. And just share with them that bracelet. Very easy to do. So please get an extra bracelet and be uh, coming back next week for our uh, second series called The Blessing. This morning, I cannot think of a better way that you'll be blessed than if you begin by putting Christ on in baptism. I met some Know Your Bible viewers this morning, wonderful folks from Garden City, and they just began their uh, journey with Christ by being baptized just a few months ago. And she said, well, you know, we're, we're getting along later in life. And I said to her, better late than never. The best decision you'll make today, if you have not put on Christ, is to put him on and to begin walking victoriously with him. If you need to begin doing that or if we can help you in your journey, please come as together we stand and sing.